So we're going through our series, What Could Have Been? We see the life of Samson. A lot of different things going on in Samson's life. A lot of different things. Uh, we looked at last week how he walked the line on things, came, went to places he shouldn't have been. Uh, and though he didn't technically sin, he was still walking the line of sin. Uh, and the rest of chapter 15, we're not going to go through all the things that transpired after that. I encourage you to go through and read that uh, because uh, there were some things that were going on that Samson uh, wanted to marry a woman of Timnath and that uh, the marriage uh, feast was going on and uh, there, was, there was a riddle he proposed. And you'll see throughout the account that it was his intention, as we see, to cause the Philistines trouble. That was his intention. Uh, and then uh, when uh, he was uh, offended in a great way, he went back home to his father's house, and then the woman he was supposed to marry, her father gave her to the best man at the wedding to be his wife. So he came back, didn't know his wife had been given to somebody else, and so he decided to set their vineyards and their groves and their fields of wheat and harvest time on fire and devastate them financially. Uh, also, he promised that whoever would uh, solve his riddle, he would give them 30 changes of garments. So what did he do? He went and he killed 30 Philistines and took their clothes and gave it to those that were 30 friends at the wedding. Uh, so all of those things are like, well, you just read it. I don't know if you read something like, man, this is just a tangled web of things going on. Why? Because, yes, we see it was of the Lord that he might find an occasion against the Philistines and begin to uh, do that. But we also know that God was working in spite of what Samson was doing. Uh, so we see near the end of chapter uh, 16. Uh, sorry, I put 16 down. It's chapter 15. Sorry, it's, I put it down wrong. Apologize for that. Judges 15, verses 14 through 20. Uh, because chapter 16 we're going to get into next week. But chapter 16, uh, we're going to look at verses 14 through 20 here in just a minute. Uh, and something we have to understand, we're going to look at some perspective tonight, because we can look at Samson's life and we can be hard on him. You know, we can look at Bible characters and be hard on them sometimes. But at the same time, they're just like we are. And so we're going to have some perspective on that tonight. If we could stand together out of respect for the ring of the Word of God, we're going to read verses 14 through 20. And we see after all of this is done uh, that uh, the context of this is because uh, that Samson lit their fields on fire, that the Philistines went and killed the woman he was going to marry and her family and burned them early on in the chapter. And so Samson is avenging that, that uh, murder and this circumstance. So we see in verse 14, when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his hands loose from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with a jaw of an ass have I slain a thousand men. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called that place Ramoth Lehi, which means a heap by a donkey's jaw. So what he's saying that basically I have a heap, that's what he said, heaps upon heaps. I have a heap of dead bodies by 
using this as a weapon. And he was sore thirst, verse 18, and called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hands of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised. But God clave in hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore he called the name thereof Enachor, which is in Lehi, unto this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines twenty years. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, I pray that you would bless us tonight, that, Lord, we would see some perspective here. And, Lord, I pray that we would see ourselves at times. But, Lord, I pray that we will take a, a close look at this and examine the actions of Samson. For, Lord, he did many wonderful things in your name, but also, Lord, he made mistakes. And I pray that we learn from those mistakes, also be inspired by how you used him. I pray your blessing tonight and that we would take heed and listen, Lord, to what you have for us this evening. I pray that you give me the words to say tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so, we see that after he goes and he causes trouble with the Philistines earlier on in the chapter, in verse 7, Sam said to them, Though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you, and after that I will cease. And he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter, and he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock of Etam. So this is after his uh, wife, his betrothed wife, and the family was burned and killed by the Philistines. Uh, we know earlier on that they, his, he proposed a riddle to his 30 friends, and they went to his wife, though uh, this was just a Middle Eastern custom and Jewish custom, go through a seven-day feast week, so the marriage had not been consummated yet, and so came to her and said, if you don't tell, tell him to tell us, because we don't want to pay him 30 changes of garments, each of them, you know, that was a lot of money. You know, imagine going out buying 30 sets of suits of clothes and giving it to one person. All of them had to do that. So they went to her and told her, if you don't have, if you don't uh, get him to tell you what the answer to this riddle is, we're going to burn you and your family. We're going to kill you. And so she finally, you know, tells him the same thing here uh, that we see later on in chapter 16. You don't love me. You don't care about me. Tell me what the answer to the riddle is. He goes, I haven't even told my parents what the riddle is, what the answer is, because then you would have to tell the truth of where he'd been. Uh, interesting. And so goes on. Eventually he does tell her, and then they're able to give the answer to the riddle, and I said, you wouldn't have found out the answer to the riddle if you had not plowed with my heifer, as he put it, uh, that unless you had put pressure on my wife-to-be, I wouldn't have had to give you what you asked for. So then he goes and kills 30 Philistines, where I told you about that. Then uh, we see that he avenges them, eight Verse 8, and this is interesting, he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter, and he went down and dwelt in the top of the wrong of Etam. So what does that mean? Uh, it means he stomped them to death. That's what that means. I thought, I said, what does that mean? So I looked that up and talked to the, what the commentators think about it, is that literally is that he stomped them, trampled them to death with his great strength. Uh, so we see that uh, Samson did some unconventional things. We see also here in this passage we just read that he took a donkey's jawbone and killed a thousand men supernatural strength and said the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he was able to do this great deed. And we see down in verse number 20 that he judged Israel in the day of the Philistines 20 years. He spent 20 years judging Israel. Even though these are small excerpts from his life, we don't know the time length in between these events, but we do know uh, that God used him in a great way. 
So we need to understand some things. Number one tonight about Samson. Let's have some perspective tonight. Uh, that he was a man, number one, he was a man of his time. So what does that mean? Well, Judges 21-25 means we just read about that, that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That was the culture that he was in. And we see that, that some of that bled over into how he thought. Even though, yes, he was sold out to God, even though he knew he was the servant of God and he was a Nazarite, some of that thinking bled over. And guess what? Some of the thinking of today can bleed over into how we think. Even though it's not biblical, even though it's not right. Also in Judges 14.10, we see that the feast that they went to and uh, that he went down for the marriage, uh, his marriage, verse 10 of chapter 14 says this, And so his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made there a feast, for so used the young man to do. That's what everybody did. And that's what, nothing necessarily wrong with having a feast, but we do know that he was acquainted of what things were going on at that time, and he did them. Can I just say something? We are all products of our time. Uh, you look at any great man of God in the Bible or any time in history, and you're going to find something about them. You know what? They didn't, they didn't say that, right? They didn't teach that right. They didn't believe that right. They didn't do that right. Charles Spurgeon smoked cigars, so we got to throw out all that he ever wrote. Right? Uh, those type of things. We got to be careful of that. By the way, let's not take it the other way. A lot of people like to take it the other way today. Well, you know what? That's right. There's so many people today. They have so, they're just a product of their time. Can I just tell you something? There's a difference between uh, uh, having false doctrine in your teachings. That's what a lot of people have today. They have false doctrine that we should have nothing to do with. Amen. We should have nothing to do with Calvinism. Okay, we can look at some of the things. We can look at Moses, and God used him in a great way, but guess what? Moses made mistakes. Moses got angry one day, and that cost him going to the promised land. We see Samson was used of God, but he made mistakes. We see Peter loved God, but he made mistakes. He denied Jesus three times. We can go all the way through. David was a man after God's own heart, but David made mistakes. Amen. So we need to learn from the mistakes, also learn from the good things they did. So we've got to make sure we keep that in perspective with Samson. We need to be careful about being too critical of Samson. Got to be careful about that. There are some great lessons we can learn from his life. Some positive, some negative. Amen. Can learn some positive things. Guess what? He wasn't afraid to do anything for God. He wasn't afraid to do anything for God. There might be <coughs> someone who looks back at our lives 50 years, 100 years from now and sees the flaws and the problems. So we need to be careful. No one is perfect. But what's the end of all of this? Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Amen. That's our whole job. You want to know what the purpose of life is? You know, I say, well, I want to know what the purpose of life. You know, everyone's looking for the purpose of life. Here it is. Fear God and keep his commandments. Have a relationship with God. And do what he tells you to do. That's simple, isn't it? Oh, we make that too complicated. Well, you know, I have to be fulfilled in how I feel. Hold on. As the, your feelings weren't in there. Amen. Uh, because our feelings can get us in the trouble. We've got to be careful about that. But Samson, he was a man of his time. We had, that's a great lesson for us. There were some things that we saw that said that she pleases me well or that she's right in mine eyes. Can, us, we, can we be careful here that we need to make sure that our thinking and our priorities and our purposes are of God and not a product of the time that we live in? 
Because we can do that. We can very easily say, well, we think of things in a particular way because that's how our culture is. That's the day and age that we live in. Everybody thinks of it this way. Uh, if you actually look at the Bible, we have to be careful about something, is that we got to be have to be careful, and this is what we can tend to do, is we tend to apply the Bible to a Western way of thinking. But the Bible is not a Western book. It's an Eastern book. Yes, it was written by God, but it was written by people from the where? The Middle East. Okay, and so the way they think about things, so you look at these things and, you know, uh, we look at some of the judgments and things, you're like, man, that's pretty harsh. But you take that over and, and tell that to an Arab, say, yeah, that's exactly what, there's a different way of thinking. So we have to be careful that we don't place God and his word into the American way of thinking. Amen. And that's, you got to be careful. If they teach you in missions class, don't take the Bible and go teach a foreign country America's interpretation of the Bible. Teach the Bible for what it says, not what we want it to say. We have to be careful of that. That's very, I can tell you as a preacher, that's extremely easy to do because that's our context of things. That's why we study God's word and get its context, not ours. So second, the first, he was a man of his time. Second, he was a man, you got to remember this, he was a man sent from God. We see throughout the Bible that God sent man. They all had God's authority. We see Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Isaiah, the Apostle Paul, Peter, all the way through. They had all had God's authority. They all had God's blessing. They all had God's power in different ways. Samson's power was in that of physical strength, but also he had the authority as a judge of the nation of Israel. Imperfect though all of those men were, Samson still judged Israel faithfully for 20 years. It's a long time. We look at, many times think of Samson as a young man. Though these things happen sequentially in the book of Judges, we do not know the span of time in between them. We do not know exactly how many years Samson was in the service of the Philistines, but I don't think you could consider him being judge over Israel during that time of his captivity. So we see a lifetime here of service from time being a young man, 20 years. So between chapters 15 and 16, when you see verse 20, what happens in chapter 16, it appears that there is a period of time possibly years in between there, but we do not know for sure. He waged a successful, if you look at this, a one-man war on the Philistines. Not too many people in the Bible can say that. We see, though some of the motivations were imperfect, God still used it. God used him to destroy the economy of the Philistines. We talked about that. God used him to avenge the wrongful death of his betrothed wife. God used him greatly to reduce the Philistines' ability to wage war by killing 1,000 men. God used him to kill most of the lords of the Philistines in the temple of Dagon at the end of his life. God used him in all of that. His birth was miraculous. Even John the Baptist, who was a man sent from God, was just a man. And he had a point of doubt about Jesus Christ. He was imperfect. Let's turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. That's a great lesson for us. You know what? We can look at people, we can look at uh, churches, we can look at preachers, and we can 
you know, sometimes get the, the cynicism going and pick apart every little thing that they're not just like I am. They don't have every single little thing put in its proper place. And by the way, anybody you find that does have it all in the proper place, they're just letting you see that they have it in the proper place. Doesn't mean they actually do. Amen? Got to be careful that people that claim they have it all put together, they're usually something that isn't put together. But we just need to be honest because here's Psalm 103, verse 13 through 70, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. My favorite verse is here. He remembereth that we are dust. God knows. God knows. It's an amazing thing if you think about it. That almighty, perfect God entrusts a finite, imperfect creation to do his bidding. Is that a miracle in and of itself? That God, first of all, loves us. Second of all, that he sent his son to die for us. But on top of that, past that, God doesn't really have a use for us. But then he still has a purpose and a job for us to do for him. God is wonderful. God is good. We don't deserve any of that. Because if we're honest about it, we have nothing that we can do to help God out. But yet God chooses to use people. God chooses to use us. We don't need to have any false impressions of ourselves of how great and wonderful I am. That is why God chose me. No, he knows our frame. He knows how imperfect we are. He knows how sinful we are. He knows how cracked we are. He knows how crazy we are in some places. You know, he knows all of that. He knows all of your emotional problems. He knows all of those things. He remembers. You know, we're so hard on ourselves sometimes. I'm not perfect. God knows that. Amen. Don't excuse it. Well, I'm not perfect, you know, because there is, you know, Lord, I'm not perfect. I messed up and God forgives and knows that. There's a difference like, well, you know what? Get over it. I'm not perfect. Okay. That's arrogance. That's not, amen. That's not humility. We should never approach God like that. We have no standing for that. But here, as for man, his days are as of grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. <clears throat> for the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall, shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children. We fear God if we have that reverence of God, and we have a love for God. And you look at what God, Samson did for God. We don't know much about his personal relationship, but he had to have had some relationship in order to have to keep his Nazarite vow. Amen. If he didn't have any really, well, why do we even have this? I don't need this. But he lived that and he had that relationship. But even though we see him possessing amazing supernatural strength, he still was imperfect. He still was an imperfect man. You know what? Sometimes as Christians, we don't give people the room to be imperfect. Do you know that? That sometimes with our other, with our children, or with our spouse, or with a friend, or a fellow church member, man, they can't make a mistake. Otherwise, man, you know, they are not spiritual. You know, we get offended. Can I just tell you something? You won't get offended if you accept that people aren't perfect, and they're going to say things and do things that offend you. 
But you're not going to be offended if you realize that. You are going to be offended if you think everybody needs to be perfect like you. Amen. Well, they ought to be better at that. They need to be perfect like me. We would never say that. But that's really in reality. I would never do that. No, you just do other things that hurt and annoy people. Maybe not that thing. You don't do that, but you do other things. Because we're all different. We're all cracked in our own way. Amen? Some of you aren't laughing right now. Because it's like, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm imperfect? Absolutely. I'm first to say that I'm imperfect. You can ask my wife. I'm imperfect, right? She's perfect. She has no imperfections at all. None at all. But even if she did, you won't hear them from me. Amen? Is that right, gentlemen? Your wife's imperfect. The whole world doesn't need to know it. Amen? Ladies, your husbands are imperfect. The whole world doesn't need to know about it. Amen? Amen? I'll say amen again. That includes your social media page and your Instagram. Your children aren't perfect, and the whole world needs to know that. No. No, you need to be careful what you even say about your children. It's like, oh, well, I can't believe. You know, I tell about some things that my children do, but there's a lot more that I'm not going to say. No. <coughs> Leave it to be they're imperfect. We look at this, and it's like, man, we look at Samson, and why we have the series, what could have been? You know, yes, God used him, but he could have been used even greater because of one thing that we see repeated over and over and over and over again. So number three, he had one weakness. He had one weakness. He had a weakness for beautiful women. A weakness for beautiful women. That was his weakness, women. He goes down to Timnath, and was it? She pleaseth me well. I'm sure it wasn't because she baked him some bread. Because she just saw her from afar and said, oh, she pleaseth me well. But then you see in the next verses, then he actually goes down and talks to her. So the impression is that he hadn't even talked to her. He just saw her. Oh, I want that one. Remember what we heard from Matthew Henry is if you just base it on your own fancy and what you see, don't be surprised when you realize you end up with a Philistine in your arms. How did I end up with this lost person? How did I end up with this non-spiritual person? Because you don't base it just off of Looks. Looks do matter to some very small degree. Okay, I, you know, I remember in college, okay, this preacher came in. You know what? Even though it doesn't, you marry a spiritual girl, guys, even if she comes in and she's only got two teeth, one point in one way, one point in, you marry her, son, if she's spiritual. That sounds great, but I'm sorry, looks do matter a little bit, okay? Yes, there are spiritual young ladies that are fair, gentlemen, and they'll be fair to you, not necessarily somebody else. That's how God planned it, amen? My wife is very fair. Thank you for not saying amen. That's good. See, oh, you're, you're getting that. Someone say amen. Who said that? No. But, no. but she is. But, she, but we see he goes through this. We see first the woman in Timnath. Pleased him well. Then, verse 6, chapter 6, and we'll get into this next week. He goes down to a harlot in Gaza. The strange woman. Well, how did he know she was beautiful? She, 
She's in the business of being beautiful and seductive. And he goes down and he sins. Then right after that, we see a very quick digression into his destruction after that. Then we see Delilah in the valley of Sorek. She was a beautiful woman. And a wily one at that. All of these women brought trouble to Samson. Not one of them helped him. Not one of them brought anything good into his life. Only brought him trouble. Proverbs 31. Turn over there. Proverbs 31, verse number 3. Gentlemen, need to listen to this. Now this is, uh, Proverbs 31 is a mother telling her son what to look for in a wife. King Lemuel. We don't know exactly who King Lemuel is. It's possible of Solomon under pseudonym. We don't know. But we do know this, that in the first three verses, there is some warnings. The one of the first of these warnings is simply this. In chapter 31, verse number 3, Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. Then the next verse talks about what? Drinking. Next verse, wine and women are, can be the two things that destroy a man, plus many other things. Chiefly, mainly these two. Give not thy strength unto women. Now, it's interesting that he uses this word, give not thy strength. I wonder if this was written with Samson in mind. Makes you wonder. Give not thy strength to women. But isn't that what men can do? Is they have a strong calling of God, but they marry the wrong person. And they can no longer serve God. I know people that I went to college with, they married the wrong person and they cannot serve God today because their spouse will not. Because they married a pretty face instead of a spiritual woman. Even though they were warned, even though they were told, hey, you know what, this person there, you know, by the way, you know, in college, you know what, there is a spy network at college. You know what, you get to know this young lady, you know what I did with... Uh, one of the young ladies I was interested in, I was like, hey, how is she really like? Oh, she's terrible. She screams and yells at everybody. She's awful. Okay, not interested anymore. Amen? So you know what? So you did that? Absolutely. What's their testimony? Their testimony among uh, other young ladies, or if it's a young man, the testimony of young ma- other young men is that they talk about things they ought not talk about and go places they shouldn't go and say things they shouldn't say. Then guess what? We just need to walk away. Don't give your strength to people like that. Nor thy ways that which destroyeth kings. Isn't that what destroyed Solomon? He gave his strength to women, over 700 wives. Plus his concubines, probably well over a thousand women. I don't know how he did it. He had to have gone crazy. And a lot of them were political marriages, but that's not what he did. It led him to fall, and they were not saved women. They were from other nations. They brought other gods. They brought all the sin into Israel. And at the end of the day, we get through the end. At the end of his life, he comes back to God, but he gets so wrapped up in it in a strength given away to these women that he is burning incense at pagan altars. The wisest man on planet earth and he ends up doing that. That wasn't wise. Why? He gave his strength to women. So gentlemen, young lady, young men, sorry, young men, you aren't married yet. 
Make sure you marry the right one. Because you're going to give your strength to that woman. And either that woman will take it and use it for God's glory and be a compliment to you. Or she'll take it and suck the spiritual life out of you. And there are young ladies today that will do just that. There always have been and there always will be. And the same goes for you young ladies. Make sure you marry a spiritual person. Marry somebody that does their devotions. Marry somebody that prays. Marry somebody that is going to lead you spiritually. If you lead them spiritually, you'll lead them the rest of your life. Amen. If they're not a spiritual leader, they don't even make the checklist. That should be number one on your list. Salvation, and are they a spiritual leader? If they're always in the backseat and don't lead spiritually, they're off the list. The same thing, you gentlemen, that have a young lady, they, oh, they're saved, but do they do their devotions? Do they pray? Do they have a relationship with God? If they don't, scratch them off. They're not worth your time. Well, I'll fix them. God wants to marry you, marry a, wants you to marry a help meet, not a project. Amen? And yes, guess what? Well, I am so perfect, you know, that I need the perfect woman, or I'm such a perfect young lady, I need the perfect man. No, none of us, you're going to grow together, and you're going to learn things together. I got married at 23 years old. And you know what? I, it frightens me sometimes when I think about all the things that have gone in life that we got married then. You know, we wanted to get, you know, I wanted to marry her when I was 18. And I think that just, I like, my mind can't even comprehend it. I mean, it almost shuts down like how stupid I was at 18 years old. I can't even, I almost shut down like, oh, that would have been terrible. You know, 23 was bad enough. Wait till you're 40. No, don't wait till you're <laughs> 30 years old is about right, you know. I started, I started being normal at 30, I think. No. Proverbs 5, 20, verse 20, 20 through 23. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. Proverbs 7, 27, her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Don't yield to the strange woman or the strange young man. There are young men out there that prey on godly young ladies. I've seen it. I've seen it. It's terrible. Some people may ask, well, you know, so just there's going to be young ladies that come your way that aren't for you. And I said, why does that happen? You know, why does, I don't understand why that happens. Do you believe the devil's real or don't you? God has a special person for you. Believe God had a special person for Samson. But where did he go looking? He didn't go looking among his people. He went looking among the strangers of the land, the Philistines. The strange woman, that's the, actually the definition of the strange woman in Proverbs, is someone who is not an Israelite. 
Someone who is a strange woman. So we see that Delilah was a strange woman. This harlot was a strange woman. The woman in Timnath was a strange woman. And in fact, she did not love God, did not even know God, worshiped Dagon, the false god. Her, way, her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. And I just say a great lesson, a great warning to men in general, also men of God. If God has a calling on your life, you need to be warned. A lesson to young ladies called of God to do a special work. Be careful. The devil is going to send the wrong one your way. To be careful lest you be destroyed by the strange woman. Men. And now the strange woman comes right through your phone. Comes right there on Facebook. Comes right anywhere. It's right there. They say, well... Got that all locked down? Great. The strange woman's going to come from another avenue. Going to come at your workplace. It's going to come in different ways at different places. That's why we must be wise, have wisdom. That's why we have standards to protect us from strange women. Never alone with a woman. It's a standard. Why? It doesn't give the strange woman opportunity to get close enough. Amen. So what about, they said, well, preacher, you know, you're here at church. What happens when people stop by? There are people that stop by all the time. We're standing in the hallway. You know why? There's three cameras. And people say, oh, you know, can I talk to you? I said, no, actually, here is my wife's number right here. You can call her. She's not here right now, but you can give her a call. I don't think out of all those times anybody's ever called you. Maybe one time. I think one time someone did. But I'm not saying they're necessarily looking to do something wrong. But at the same time, the devil's real. And so I'm not going to play that game. No, too, too many preachers that counsel too many women. Well, my office had a glass door in it. Nope, not going there, not doing that. Well, that's not what other preachers do. I really don't care. Amen. A great lesson and a great warning tonight. So let's not be too hard on Samson, but let's learn from some of the mistakes. He had a weakness. The strongest, you look at this, you're like, Samson. Look at all that you have. You have the Spirit of God. You have supernatural strength. Look at what you did to the Philistines. You could just wipe them out. Women, really? Go and find a nice woman of the Israelites. I don't know if he thought they were too homely or what. I don't know what his problem was. But what was his problem? The temptation of the, what? The forbidden fruit. That which he knew God did not want him to have and that many times has the strongest allurement for sin. The lust of the eyes, the lust of flesh, and the pride of life. So tonight, and I don't think Samson was an ugly man. But we need to be careful. We need to be wise. Well, that doesn't happen for me. My mom told, told me I'm ugly, so that's not going to be a problem for me. My dad told me I'm ugly. My mom, my sisters tell me I'm ugly. If you have sisters, you know, it's never going to happen to me. It can happen to you. Need to be watchful, need to be careful. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you would bless each and every one here tonight. Oh Lord, we can learn some great lessons from Samson. Lord, we know he's with you. And Lord, I pray tonight that I know he would want us to learn some things from his life. And I pray, Lord, that we not give our strength to the stranger, to the enemy. 
whether it be a gentleman or a lady here tonight, I pray that they've made that commitment not to be entangled with those strange women and strange men. That just as the devil walketh about seeking we may devour, they are his messengers seeking to do his bidding, whether they realize it or not. I pray that tonight that you'll provide a godly spouse and a godly helpmeet for every single young person represented here tonight. And Lord, you have a perfect plan for them. I pray they wait for that plan. They wait for that right one. And Lord, that you would guide them in a special way. I pray, Lord, that you would bless those that will be spiritual leaders, that you would bless their preparation, dear Lord, and help them to grow in their faith and grow in their walk with you. I pray your blessing tonight, dear Lord. Help us not to be too critical and too hard, but also, Lord, to take what we see, to praise the faithfulness to you, but also, Lord, to take a look and ask ourselves the question, what area am I weak in? I pray that we would ask that question to ourselves and please answer us tonight, Lord. Show us so that we may correct it. We thank you, Lord, that you're merciful to us and your mercy is everlasting according to your word tonight. Thank you that you understand us. Thank you that you use us in spite of ourselves. We don't deserve any of that, Lord. We thank you for your mercy and your grace upon us. Bless us, we pray tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.